it's because he has Sean John the clothing, right? He has Sean John bags and he has Sean John cologne and perfume, right? And so for each of those different uses, even though it's the exact same phrase, he had to file three different trademark registrations for those three different uses. And so that's one thing is kind of identifying what is the use that you want to protect. You go through this process, a trademark examiner is going to go back and forth with you about whether or not this is really a brand. Are people, do people identify you with this? Have you been consistent in your branding from day one? Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. Right now, we're in some very unprecedented times uh, with the coronavirus crisis. So now is a better time than any to tap in, listen to some good podcasts, develop personally, and just map out what life is going to look like once we can get back to some sense of normalcy. And so this week, I had the pleasure of having a phenomenal guest on. Shay M. Lawson is a Georgia-based intellectual property attorney specializing in brand protection and contract negotiation for entertainment professionals and social influencers. From copyright and trademarks to legal business building and negotiation strategy, Shay is the go-to for all things legal, creative, and influential. Over the last decade of her career, Shay has negotiated large-scale client partnerships with Apple, Converse, EA Sports, Universal Music Group, Def Jam, Discovery Channel, TV One, Target, and so much more. She is a member of the Intellectual Property Section of the State Bar of Georgia and a two-term governor on the board of Atlanta Chapter of the Recording Academy Grammys, where she serves as the chair of advocacy. So, I mean... I don't think I have to go into too much more detail to explain why you might want to tap in with this episode. It was a phenomenal conversation. I'm going to be using her for some upcoming intellectual property needs that I have. And I thought that it would be a great opportunity to have her share with you the importance of protecting your brand so that no one else can steal it. So you're in for a treat. Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Show. So as you guys just heard from that intro, this is one one show where you want to have your, your notepad out. You want to be taking some notes. You're getting a little bit of free game that can probably be pretty advantageous for your business. Uh, so I'm excited to have her on the show. So with no further ado, Shay, how you doing today? I am well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is my first official Rona recording. So like this is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Interesting times as we were talking about offline. So really appreciate you making time to uh, share some really valuable wisdom with my audience. So uh, Shay and I got an opportunity 
to chat. Was it last week or the week before last? Because time moves so fast. I want to say it might have been two weeks now. It might have been. Wow. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like the end of the previous week or something like that. So it not so it feels not too long ago, but. Yeah. But uh, we got connected through a mutual friend. Um, I'm actually looking to um, tighten up some things on the legal side of my business. And so we had a really good conversation and she shared all the wonderful things that she can do. So now I'm kind of sifting through and prioritizing exactly what I need her to execute on. But in advance of that, I said, hey, y'all need to y'all need to understand this because she taught me some stuff that I didn't know. We had a great conversation, um, probably got a little bit of accidental free legal advice i appreciate her <laughs> um but uh <laughs> i just i do what i can hey, i we, do what i can we appreciate you we appreciate you um but yeah so i just really wanted her to come on the show and, and educate us because i think you know one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of people have is they think oh i go ahead and get that llc if you even do that um and i'm ready to go everything is perfect i can hit the ground running and while that is a great first step um, and you know you're the world of business there's a lot of things that you need to consider to really make sure that you know you're you're on track and you're protected so that's why I wanted to have her on the show so the my first question is you know what made you decide that you know I want to be in the legal profession like did you just wake up one day and say hey I want to be an attorney like how, how did you how did you arrive at, at that point <laughs> Oh my gosh, I hate that people ask I'm going to put this on my do not ask list. No, I'm <laughs> I don't because I have such a shallow answer. So my shallow answer is that one of my favorite, favorite movies is Clueless. And, um, and she's at the very beginning of the movie, Alicia Silverstone is like, I bet you're wondering like how I can afford such a great crib like this. And she's like, it's because my daddy is a litigator. He's the scariest kind of lawyer. And I was like, Oh, and so I, <laughs> I really loved um, the, the character that her dad played in the movie. And I was like, that's me. Like that's the adult version of me. What is this litigator? Let me look more into this. And, so, <laughs> and that was really how I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> no, hey, I, I love it. Hey, you know, that's awesome. So, I mean, that clue came out a minute ago. So that means you've known for, you knew pretty early on in life that you're like, you know what? I want to be this attorney. I want to be a litigator. That's cool. Oh, yeah. What was that? The late 90s? Early yeah. 2000s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been pretty... I've always been pretty focused. Now, the type of lawyer has not always been consistent. I've always been consistent with the fact that I wanted to be a lawyer, but the type of lawyer I wanted to be has not been consistent. And I really fell into contracts and intellectual property as a result of what I was really good at, just what I had a knack for, and when you get to law school, you know, it's survival of, you know, it's like the smartest of the smart. It's all the nerds. It's all the, you know, straight A's all in one place trying to out straight A each other. And, uh, you know, you get broken down pretty quickly into like, oh, you thought you were smart, but are you really, you know, and figuring out what you're really good at. And I um, just really had a knack for contracts and had a knack for IP and it's kind of just uh, you know, in its own machine. Got you. Well, you, you perfectly segue right into what my next question was going to be. So I'll just piggyback off of that. So talk to us a little bit about what that means, like IP contract lawyer, like what, what is it that you 
typically do for your clients, right? When it comes to those the different areas of specialty that you that you're in. Okay. So that's a really good question. I think it's something that people don't realize. Lawyers are much like doctors. You know, you have a primary care physician and he might know a little bit about everything, but ends up having to send you to a specialist, right? So I would say every lawyer straight out of law school is like a primary care physician. But as you go and you need specific things of like, I need a will, I need a trademark, I need a copyright you need to go to a specialist. So, um, and no lawyer specializes in everything, right? So you wouldn't want to go to an ear, nose, throat doctor when you're having heart problems. It's the same reason why you should not have your cousin who does criminal law read your management contract (laughs) 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 or file your trade. And people do it all the time. And it's like, no, don't do that. And so I specifically work with entrepreneurs creative entrepreneurs. Um, My client base are largely social media influencers and music industry professionals. And on a contract basis, I both draft, revise, review, and negotiate anything from record deals to brand endorsements to uh, drafting business operating agreements, um, company mergers, things of that sort. So anything that is an agreement between two people that needs to be, uh, you know, drafted into writing or negotiated, I do. I always tell people if it's enough money to be mad about, it needs to be in writing. Mm, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. And then the second portion is, is intellectual property and people kind of throw that term out usually and they're like I need to protect my intellectual property my intellectual property and they don't really know what it means but intellectual property is um, a, a creative work and so that can be a copyright trademark or patent of an of an idea so you cannot legally protect ideas you can only protect the execution of them so patents protect the way things work and the way things are designed Trademarks protect um, uh, the way that consumers identify the source of a product or service, such as um, the golden arches for McDonald's, the Nike swoosh, uh, slogans such as I'm loving it, um, producer tags like the business, you know, when you hear a song and and it starts like that. Ah, Um, okay. Yep, and then copyrights protect your actual creative work. And so it doesn't just have to be a picture or um, a song. It could also be your blog post. If you are making a downloadable checklist, like freebies for your audience, the actual content that is on your website um, is considered a creative work, so literary our visual, our, all of that is protected by copyright. So those are the three different types of intellectual property that I help my clients protect. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's, that's really valuable because I remember in our conversation, uh, I just learned that there's, there's levels to it, right? You might think that you can just have a blanket copyright or trademark for, you know, everything that falls underneath your brand, but it doesn't quite work like that. Right. And so um, my question then becomes when you think about all of the things that you could copyright or trademark and things of that nature, 
where do you draw the line as it relates to, okay, this is something that you should consider trademarking versus like, eh, it's not that deep. Um, I would tell people, what's the thing that's most likely to be stolen? The thing in your business where people would automatically be like, dang, why doesn't that exist already? Man, I should have thought of that. Like something that you just know, like somebody's going to steal. <laughs> that's what you prioritize first as far as legally protecting. So I'd say if you have a really cool name for an event, um, like if you have like, uh, I know somebody has an event called this and I don't know who it is but it's called like pitch please right so if mm -hmm. your event is called pitch please and you're teaching people how to pitch well that's really catchy and really cool it's likely to be stolen you know and so that's something that you will want to trademark you want to trademark your event um, as pitch please so that people know that anytime they saw that event it specifically only came from you and so it doesn't, again, doesn't stop somebody from taking the idea of like, yeah, let me do a class on pitching. It just stops them from using your branding, your visuals, you know, the things that you built your goodwill in the market to confuse people and make them think that it's one thing when it's really coming, you know, from somewhere else. It's McDonald's versus McDougal's, you know? <laughs> Classic reference. Um, <laughs> no, okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, like now, I guess my question is because I know it was an eye opener for me. Like, what is like what is the process right to go through like trademarking or copywriting something for your business? Oh, good question. So, there's a lot of bad information out here, and one of the most common misconceptions that people have is that um, they can do what's called a poor man's copyright, where it's like, well, I sent it to myself on this date. I have it on email, so it's timestamped that I wrote this, or I sent this, or I said this, or I postmarked it to myself on this date. That does not help you. Copyright <laughs> <laughs> does exist from the time you publish something. However, you have no legal standing in court until you actually file the registration for that copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office. The same thing with a trademark. So that is the difference between what you see that has a TM next to it. That's you telling the public, hey, I'm the first to use this brand identifier. But until you register your trademark with the U.S. Trademark Office, you have no legal standing in court against someone who steals your branding or your work. And the way you signify that you've gone all the way through that process is the R with the circle around it. So just visually, people, when you see the TM versus the R in the circle, that means one person has a a federally protected registered trademark and the other just has is just saying hey i have general ownership to this i'm claiming to be the first to use it which may or may not be true and the process for registration is pretty long and it's pretty expensive um trademarks cannot as you mentioned before cover a whole blanket of everything for your business so if your business has books and stationery and t-shirts and cups and backpacks those are different goods so for every different type of good or service you provide 
that requires a different trademark. And so you'll see someone like um, Diddy. So Sean John has about four or five different trademarks. And, you know, it's because he has Sean John the clothing, right? He has Sean John bags and he has Sean John cologne and perfume, right? And so for each of those different uses, even though it's the exact same phrase, he had to file three different trademark registrations for those three different uses. And so that's one thing is kind of identifying what is the use that you want to protect. You go through this process, a trademark examiner is going to go back and forth with you about whether or not this is really a brand. Are people, do people identify you with this? Have you been consistent in your branding from day one? Um, Something that's real big in the trademark world right now is that Prince's estate is trying to trademark purple, like Pantone created a specific color of purple for Prince, and they are trying to trademark it, register that, and the trademark office is denying it. And they are saying that people do not identify Prince with purple. (laughs) And, you know, if you're you're listening, you're like, what? Like, what? But their argument is that Prince was not consistent with the shade of purple he has used throughout his career. And so, therefore, their trademark is being denied. Tiffany blue is always Tiffany blue. It's no lighter. It's no darker. It's no more green. It's no more blue. That Tiffany blue is consistent across the board. You know, so that's something that the trademark office looks at. And a lot of times people are not, especially as entrepreneurs, we're going through different phases to find out what works with the market. And when you're not consistent with your branding, the trademark office will call you out on it and likely deny your application. So you definitely want to kind of have a lawyer to help you navigate through that process as you're building your business and building your brand. And then there's a period called um, publication where it is published for opposition from around the world for somebody to come and say, hey, this looks too close to my brand or it sounds too close to my brand. Trademark office, you should deny this. And a lot of times brands do what's called defensive registration. And so I've experienced this where I had a client file a trademark for uh, double letters. So imagine like AA or BB or something like that. Well, we got all the way through the question and answer. We made it to publication. During publication, Chanel, like from Chanel bag, Chanel perfume, sent us a cease and desist and come to find out they had defensively filed trademarks for every double letter combination of the alphabet. Sheesh. So, you know, when you're really serious about protecting your brand, you may think, what's close to this? So this goes back to the, should McDonald's file the trademark registration for McDowell's so that defensively somebody can't get something that sounds close to this? Right. Um, And so those are things that a a trademark lawyer helps you um, navigate, but those are problems that you might uh, encounter during the publication period. And once that's over, if all is clear, then you get your registration. And that takes about a year and a half on a good day, normally about maybe two years. So when people are looking to 
get a trademark done, number one, it's definitely not a DIY, and number two, that's why it costs so much. Got it. A two-year process. Wow, that's huge. Thank you for breaking that down, because I know when you were sharing some of this with me, I was just like, wow, I did not know. I just thought I could go ahead and get me uh, melanin money, trademark, and anytime I do anything underneath that brand, we straight... Um, but it's not, it doesn't quite work like that. So definitely get educated because you just, I mean, if you're truly serious about your brand, like the brand is essentially, you know, like you said, the identifier, right? Like that's what people associate with you. And so you have got to make sure you got that protected. So that's very valuable information. Definitely. And I think uh, the most common question I get, it centers around t-shirts and merchandise. And again, that goes to the distinction between trademarks and copyrights. If you have a design for a t-shirt that you don't want somebody to steal, that's not a brand. That's a design for a t-shirt. So that is protected by copyright because copyright protects works of art. Got it. Okay, so copyright protects works of art. Trademark protects the brand. I like what people identify your brand with and then the patent identif- uh protects like the function like of your product like how or your whatever it is like is that how it works yeah okay yep yep like your packaging how your spray bottle might be shaped how your lip gloss tube might be made different than somebody else's patents protect engineering design so you will find that a lot of patent attorneys by trade or um by training, either have a biology or an engineering background. Got it. That makes a hundred percent sense. That's that's what came to my mind. Like, are they do they have an engineering um, background? Okay, got mm-hmm. it. And so all of that falls underneath the intellectual property umbrella. Is that how that works? Yeah. Okay, got it. Makes sense, man. The more the more you know. <laughs> and so the little rainbow across the sky, <laughs> right? This podcast episode is sponsored by CapitalWise. CapitalWise is a boutique financial planning firm serving entrepreneurs of high growth companies. We also have investment management services for all. Plan precisely, invest intelligently. CapitalWise. And so I know you mentioned that the trademark process is pretty extensive since copyright, since, I mean, you could come up with 10 designs for your shirt underneath, underneath a certain brand, right? So like, from a copyright perspective, is that a little a little less extensive? Is it a little easier to get a copyright than it is a trademark? Or is it just all kind of contingent in a case-by-case basis? Oh, no. Um, a trademark is something that is definitely DIY. I would tell people, I always tell people, save your coins for the stuff that makes sense to get a lawyer for. Do not let somebody dupe you into the things that you can DIY. A copyright is something you can DIY. You can go to copyright.gov. It is one of the most user-friendly government sites that exist. It walks you through like a task manager to answer the questions you need in order to register. And it costs anywhere from 35 to 65 They literally increased the prices this week. <laughs> it used to be 55 but it's now 30, anywhere from 35 to $65 to file your copyright. And so it's just like, And the catch is, people, when you register your copyright within three months of its release to the public, if somebody steals your work, 
and you take them to court, because you registered your copyright, you do not have to prove that that person made a single dollar. You don't have to prove how much they made or how much you lost. You are entitled to what's called statutory damages. And that is an automatic monetary award that the court gives you when somebody steals a registered copyrighted work. Whereas if you did not register your work within those three months and you take them to court, you then have to prove that you either lost money or definitively prove how much money that person made off of stealing your work. Wow, that's very good to know. So on the latter half of that, right, let's say it wasn't within three months, then do they have do you have to like request documentation? Let's just keep it super simple. Right. So let's say someone stole a T-shirt design. They have a Shopify store. Like, are you able to request to say, hey, look, we need to see uh, your sales. Right. Because we you stole our design and we need to see how much money you made as a result of it. Like, is is that a part of the yeah. process? OK, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And so the catch is, though, you still, even if you've waited past those three months, go ahead and still register, you know, because you need the registration. So the registration allows you to go to court and sue. And once you file that lawsuit, you open up what's called discovery. And that's when you can subpoena people and documents. So you can send a subpoena to Shopify or whoever and say, you know, this is part of a lawsuit. We need the records for X, Y, and Z. And by law, they must turn over the records because this is now part of a legal controversy. But the point is, is that you have to register. I think we were, when we talked on the phone, I was telling you the story about the guy who said that Empire, the TV show, is his life. You got to tell that story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you guys, if, if you have the chance while you're Corona quarantined, go to Vlad TV. And look for the interview with um, the guy who is saying that Empire stole his life story. It is entertaining. The guy is real life like Lucius Lyon. No lie. So he writes down his whole life story. And this guy has receipts, like news articles, all types of stuff to prove all this stuff really happened in his life that they pulled these storylines from. So he writes his life story down, like films this little pilot. He somehow gets a meeting with Terrence Howard, you know, shows it to him. Terrence is like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm going to show it to my manager, blah, 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 but ends up blowing him off. He hears nothing about it. And then a few years later, like, boom, there's Empire on Fox. And it's his life story that he just so happens to have shared with Terrence Howard. So he takes the guy to court. You know, he takes like Lee Daniels, Fox, Terrence Howard, all of them. He, he files a lawsuit in court. And the judge is, and, you know, has his proof, like, hey, this is my life story. We met on these dates. And the judge is like, I cannot help you. And so he ends up dismissing the case. And it's like, you need to go register your copyright for this. I cannot help you till you register your copyright. And so I don't know what's happening with the case now. But, like, you know, had had he had that registered, that would have probably been a, an easy windfall. Right, right. Nah, man. And it's, you know, like my favorite rapper said, you know, but more important is lawyer fees. Like you, you gotta have, you gotta have your, your, your ducks in a row from a legal perspective, because that's the one area where it can either save you or hurt you. Um, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have your ducks in a row. So that was a great example 
of like when having your legal ducks in a row like was vital and could have saved you or could have, you know, potentially put you in a situation where you could have won. What situation can you recall where someone had the right legal, I guess, protection in place? And as a result of that, it really was able to protect them in a situation. Oof. Or do you, usually, do you usually experience the latter and people come to you like after the fact, yeah. hey, can you fix this? <laughs> that, that is it. Like people really come to me after the fact where they're like, hey, I got this contract off a legal Zoom. I didn't realize that it didn't have this, this, that that I really needed and this person screwed me over and now they're demanding their money back. Like, what do I do? Or, you know, whatever it was. And so, I yeah, people really, I always say, number one, you're never too small or too new to be stolen from. Like, thieves are counting on you to not have your ducks in a row. So, you know, that's the thing. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be way cheaper for you to, and I will tell you, that George, the number one issue people come to me is doing business with friends and not getting it in writing. Yeah, that's a great point. And everybody is friends until money gets involved or something blows up. And it's like, well, this was really my idea. Or, you know what? I don't want to work with you no more. Or, I think we should do this or that. And because there was nothing in writing or Maybe they fall off and they don't do nothing with the business. And now two years later, the other person pops back up and is still using the business name or whatever it is. And it's like, well, you all didn't have an operating agreement. You had no partnership agreement. You didn't get anything in writing, but you were handling business, but you didn't handle business as business and write up a contract. Right. Right. You know, yeah, like to your point, like it all sounds good. Like, oh, we homies and, you know, we're just going to do this together and it's going to be it's going to work out until it doesn't. Right. And yep. one of the things I always like to say is documentation beats conversation. You know, Ooh, I love that. Well, I'm, I'm still on one of yours. So you can take that. You can have that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, because I just I've seen it happen so, so many times. It's just like even when you think about like marriage. Right. It's like which I'm not going to ask you on the record because you did just tell me about to get married if you have a prenup. But, <laughs> but even with that, like my, when I first, when I was younger, in my early 20s, I was like, oh, you know, nah, I wouldn't do a prenup. But as I get older, I can kind of, I, I realize like what it really is. It's just, it's a document that, okay, if for whatever, we're not, we're not praying on our own downfall, but if for whatever reason, this marriage does not work, we have an amicable way to know exactly how we're going to part ways, right? Because, you know, things get emotional, lines get blurred, and that, and that same thing happens in business. So I just think it's so important for people to understand that. And it doesn't make it doesn't make you a bad friend to say, hey, let's get some documentation in place so that we're both protected, right? It's not just about me, so that we both walk out of this knowing that we have, you know, our ducks in a row and have a leg to stand on should things not necessarily go exactly as we're dreaming it up. Because in life, how many things do, right? And so just having exactly. that huge. Yeah. No, that's 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 super smart. I actually did a podcast with a buddy of mine um, on can you do business with friends? So let me ask you, what, what is your thought on that? Can you do business with friends? Is it possible? Do you avoid it at all costs? What's your perspective? 
No, 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 I definitely do business as friends, but I handle business as business. Like, I mean, <clears throat> this over the past year, well, past two years, I have helped one of my best friends from college launch several businesses of his. So one, he, he took what used to be a college like party promotion company, and now it's a full scale entertainment company. He wrote a book. He went on a book tour. Um, he has a student organization now that is launched in multiple campuses, and we got the trademark for that so that he could license that um, student organization on other campuses. Um, and guess what? When we got ready to do business, he signed a retainer agreement. Like, when, yeah, <laughs> like I just like I invoice anybody else. And I'm telling you, he is one of my best friends. I was just at his wedding. Like, you know, so real friends don't mind doing business as business because they trust you to do it right. Like, don't have to do this. When you have pay, when you ask for a hookup, you are getting hooked up. Like, no, I don't. The same way you wouldn't ask for a hookup or a discount on lipo or LASIK, like, nah, I need, I'm going to pay the full price. I don't need you to mess up my eyesight. Like, right. like, let me go ahead and do business as business so that I know this, this thing that I'm pouring my passion and my time and all my money into building is on a firm foundation. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I encourage people to do business with friends because you can be honest with each other on a level that maybe you might dance around with, with somebody who you don't know. You can have much realer conversations. You have um, much more realistic expectations about what the person can or cannot do because you personally know them. So you can't really be gassed down or, I mean, gassed up or let down. So I encourage people to do business with friends, but, but definitely get it in writing. 100%. Like when you were talking, what it made me think about is, especially on the legal side, because even I had to think about it. When you when you don't do business as business or when you don't go through the process of like, you know, formally, you know, trademarking, copywriting, et cetera, like this stuff costs money. Right. So what it forces you to do is it forces you to really refine what you think your business is, because it's easy to say I'm going to do this and I have all these ideas when you're not putting no real skin in the game besides time. But when you actually got to stroke a check, it's like, OK, am I really going to execute on this? Is this really a core part of my business model? Um, when am I going to do this? Because you're having to actually, you know, invest in your business. So I think for me, what it's done um, for the things that we're going to be working on, it helped me understand, OK, like, yeah, th there's a lot of different ways I could go with this. But what is the most absolute important and vital component of what I'm building? Let me also at the same token, think about how I want this to end and reverse engineer that so I don't leave something out that is vital. And it really helped me um, go deeper and refine even somebody who I thought I had it mapped out for the next seven years. It really helped me think about like, oh, well, shoot, let me like really make sure I understand this because I'm putting some real money behind this and I want to make sure I'm doing it the right way and not leaving anything um, off the table that I ultimately would want to include. So I think that's another maybe intangible benefit that I didn't realize that when you do things the right way from an operating agreement perspective, from, you know, a, a trademark or intellectual property um, vantage point, you have to actually think like, what am I doing here? Is this real? Like, how do I want this to end? You know, because if you if you don't, then you end up wasting your your time, somebody else's time and a lot of money in the process. So I think that's another intangible benefit um, from doing things the right way. 
Absolutely. I actually have a client who I did. She has a podcast. I did a podcast with her and she talked about how hiring me helped her business make more money because one of the first things that we did was um, a new services agreement for her. Um, and I forced her to, in order for me to write a good contract for you, I need you to be able to break down your business to like the minutia of what information do you collect from people? How long does it take for you to do what you need to do? What happens if your client doesn't get you what you need on time? What would happen if your hard drives crashed or somebody hacked your system? Like I literally force people to break down the minutia of their businesses and their business processes so that I can figure out how to best legally protect you in your agreement. And I can't tell you how many people I've done that with. And afterwards they're like, man, I am so much clearer on how my business works and why I should be charging more because this is when I'm asking people, how much time does it take you to do this? Well, how much would it cost? Cause this would tell you what your refund policy should be. They're like, Whoa, I should actually be charging this instead of this. And you know, like different things like that. And it, it gives like a whole new insight into the levels of your business that you might take for granted because it's just what you do every day. But once you start realizing what all needs to be protected and it's not just your um, money, it's also your time that needs to be protected. Um, it, it gives people a whole new outlook on their business when they really get down to the foundational thing. 100%. It just gives you a heightened level of conviction and clarity to, you know, really mm -hmm. to really know your worth. Right. Because, you know, what I always say is there's only two reasons why people don't charge their worth. Only two reasons. One, they don't know it, right? They have not quantified their value. Or two, they need the money. And so they need the money, so they'll undercharge just, just so they can keep the lights on or they can you know, pick up that gig or that deal because they aren't in a financially secure enough position to where they can say no to the client who can't afford them, right? Mm. Those are the only two reasons people don't charge their worth. So your process right, is going to help them gain that clarity because they're going to see all of the nuance, all of the detail, like, well, I'm really doing a lot. I'm undercharging myself. I'm underutilizing on myself. And so like, I think, again, for me, someone who really thought they had everything mapped out, as I've started to kind of go behind the scenes to document what I need for you to do, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, there's there's a couple of things I didn't, I didn't think about. And it's been extremely helpful. So I can only imagine for someone who hasn't thought that many steps ahead how, how much of an ROI Right. Because a lot of times that's another point. People look at services as an expense. Right. For me, I, anything that I do, I'm looking for the ROI. Right. It's like, OK, if I do this, what does it ultimately translate for me in my business? Right. And if you can quantify that, then that is going to more easily allow you to make the right decisions, because it's like, OK, I know if I'm protected from a legal standpoint, I'm going to save so much more money. If a, something happens in the future and I have to address this, and I didn't have my ducks in a row. So I can already wrap my head around, at least conceptually, you know, how much this is going to save me from a time standpoint and from a money standpoint. So that's something else I would encourage you guys to do is before you just raise your hand and think you need this, you need that. Like really ask yourself, what am, what is my expectation? What is my return on investment by taking this action? What problem would it solve for me if I had this in place? And when you do that, it can empower you to make better decisions uh, for your business and for your life. So that's kind of my thought process. Absolutely. I love it. 
Well, thank you. This has been so great. I appreciate all your wisdom. I felt like I thought I learned everything from our conversation, but I learned a couple more things today. So I appreciate you uh, uh, sharing all this game for me and my audience. And I know I'm going to have some listeners who were like, yo, I need to call Shay. I need what she got. I know it. So like, how can people tap in with you? How can they find you? And what's the best place to connect with you? Um, the two best places to connect with me are both online at my website, shaymlawson.com, S-H-A-Y-M-L-A-W-S-O-N.com, and on Instagram, at shaymlawson. And I'd say both are full of free downloadables and cease and desist templates and all, I have all types of free goodies um, that you can get if you just click through my old content or join my email list. And I do kind of the same thing from time to time. I do question and answers on IG Live and, and in my highlights and stuff like that. So those would be the two best ways people can connect and, and get themselves together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you. You you be safe out here in these uh these Rona streets until <laughs> until we figure out what the heck is going on and we can get back to uh, a sense of normalcy. But I thank you so much again for coming on. And guys, please tap into this Take Advantage. A lot of great game. And thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.